Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Round 8's edition of the Weekend Wrap, brought to you by Crowcast, of course. Uh, unfortunately, not a win for the Crows this weekend, but probably better than what we expected in terms of uh, the game itself. We were in it for a long period of time, and uh, you know, we'll talk about whether that's a, an honourable loss or a frustrating loss uh, as we go along. Thanks to everyone who's joined us on YouTube and Discord. Don't forget if you're watching us on YouTube, don't forget to give us a like and a subscribe if you haven't already done so as we make our way up to the magical thousand number of subscribers. I think we're on 610, which is great. And um, if you're watching or listening, sorry, on Discord and you're in the live stage, don't forget if you're or uh, if you've got something to say or uh, an opinion to share with us, uh, get on the live stage. Uh, we're interactive on Sunday nights, and we'd love to hear your thoughts. Wouldn't we, Macca? We would, mate. We would. How are you, mate? Ah, oh, well, pretty well content with the world. I've had a feed of whiting for dinner, and all is well. Well, the best thing about tonight is, of course, that you've got your background sorted out. <laughs> Look, I just left on my own and left the fiddle around. I can do it. but uh, I'm very, very impressed, mate. Well, I was too. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right, look, uh, what do you think about the match, mate, just uh, straight off the bat? Yeah, look, what, what we actually saw was a, a a young, developing team giving its best against uh, an old, experienced premiership team. And we matched them most of the time, but at critical moments we didn't match them, and that's the difference between the two teams. I, I don't think we disgraced ourselves at all. Uh, I think that the fact that we got that close. And when you think about the margin, I don't think the margin is a true reflection of the game. Um, we had a situation where, with two and a half minutes to go, Rankin could have run in close and had a shot at goal. He chose not to do that. And Keyes was in, held absolutely prison. No, he wasn't held. Well, he wasn't held. We will argue about that. The cows come out. I reckon he was. But anyhow, look, no, that's he pushed not the back point. into the player. Actually, no, no. should have attacked the ball. He, he, no, he went to take the ball, fumbled no. off his hands. No. no, he did hit his hands. It did. You got to replay it. Did hit yeah, his hands. Yeah, I know. But then, yeah, but then he pulled back into the into the tackler, and he should have. No, sorry. Shit effort well, by keys. Shit effort by keys. Well, the point I was trying to make, and we were getting away <laughs> from it, is, is the fact that if we had got a goal with that attack, it would have been six points of difference with. To say two and a bit minutes to play. Unfortunately, we didn't get that goal, and they got two late goals in those last two minutes, which sort of distorted the the way the game was played. So, from my point of view, I wasn't happy to lose. I'm never happy to lose, but I was happy that the boys overall uh, gave their best. Some of their best wasn't good enough in a couple of cases, but they I think they gave their best. Mm. I'm going to disagree with that. I knew you would. <laughs> Look, Mac, I felt like what we did 
was rocked up to Alphabet Stadium with the same game plan we always rock up with and we got beaten the same way we always get beaten. And you elaborate, please. Well, we didn't find a way to spread them. We kept going up and down the line. Our forwards played from behind all day. We got thumped in the middle and we allowed them too many freebies out of stoppage all day. Apart from that, apart from that, what else did we do wrong? <laughs> no, well, quite I seriously. Think... Uh, no, the, let me just elaborate on some of what you said. Um, I do agree with the lack of spread. That was very now. It's a, it's a narrow narrow oval. I agree with that. But Geelong could f- uh, find space to spread. So it, you, it's, it can be done. I, one point you didn't mention, which I thought was quite critical is we didn't man up on Stuart. And Stuart got his 20, usual... That's 20 what I, I did mention that because that's what we don't do every time we go there. When I, know, I, when I talk about we go there with a, with a game plan, the same. that's exactly what happens. Yeah. Um, yep. Stuart runs around like an unregistered dog. I mean, I, I can't understand if they were going to put time in a day cost last week and try to nullify his impact on the game, which was a good idea, and they did pretty well making him accountable with keys why they didn't recognise that Stuart is the probably the linchpin of their whole game plan and you've got to you've got to lock him down, you've got to make him accountable. Yeah, look I, I totally agree with hundred percent, but that's not the players, that's a coach. Well no, hundred percent. I agree with you. That's what I said at the outset that we rocked up with a game plan, which was the same game plan we always rock up with and we got the same outcome. Yep. Um, and the other thing that I thought too, Macca, was that our, our tackling really showed um, the difference in physical maturity between Geelong, who have been up and about for, for a lot of years now, and a young side. Um, they brushed so many tackles. Yeah, you're right. There's one of uh, Shoals in particular, which was terrible. It was an arm tackle rather than a body tackle. And, in the goal square the- there, yep. And that was poor. Um, so, but uh, you're right. I mean, physically, uh, they're a bigger, stronger team. Um, Dangerfield was on fire in the first half, and, and he went off with a hammy, which obviously restricted some of their movement. But uh, to compensate that, of course, um, unfortunately, um, we had an injury down back, which, which was, uh, I thought, you know, it was a bigger loss to us, really, because... They've got two key forwards, and uh, Murray was actually, I thought, was doing very well until he got concussed. Yeah, it, I don't think that actually had too big an impact on the result because I thought when Hinge went back, he did quite well. Uh, they started going through Hawkins a bit. I think they probably thought we'll expect them to go through Cameron and we'll go through uh, the bloke that uh, that didn't get the the strange matchup. Um, but look, mate. The one thing that, in my opinion, when, you, when you're playing on a narrow ground like that and Geelong know exactly how to bottle it up and Geelong, you, you mentioned earlier Geelong know how to spread. Well, I was watching this closely because I was thinking, all right, if teams find it difficult to get on the outside at Alphabet Stadium, what don't what do they do? And they don't... If you, if you watch... When they rebound out of defence, they don't go coast to coast. They usually rebound and either force a stoppage on the wing and regroup, or it goes out of bounds, or something like that. It's the next. It's the next stoppage 
that they that they break from. It's it, they do not often run straight from half back straight through to a shot at goal. It's they don't do that very often. Often they'll from from Stewart they'll clear their defence, they'll clear wide and they'll reset and then at the secondary stoppage, the next stoppage, that's where they actually um, set up and go forward. It, I, I watched it closely, and that's the difference. I think teams fall into the trap repeatedly of trying to rebound off halfback and go straight into the forward line, whereas often what you, what you need to be doing is getting territory and then, and then stopping play and allowing yourself to re- reset behind it. Yeah, I don't disagree with anything you've said there. And actually adding to that, what the other thing that Geelong do, they bring their half-forwards up, you know, and when there is out, uh, out of bounds at the centre wing situation, they bring the half-forwards up, which actually creates space behind them, and they exactly. kick over the, the half-forwards' head for them to run onto it. And that's how they did that so many times. Yep, 100%. They either run up to... they Either, uh, either you've got Cameron or Hawkins running onto it, uh, like leading up to it, We've got Grys and those Myers and those blokes running back onto it, hundred percent. And that's how that's how they create it. And you know, because I thought to because like, I rewatched the game today and I thought, how do they do it? How do they transition the ball? And it's a two piece transition, which is very unique. Mm. So anyway, but, but, look, we'll get onto the game in more detail as we go forward, Macca. But as we always do, uh, to much to the chagrin, chagrin of some, but not all people. Some people don't mind it, but some people get salty about it. But, uh, you know, you can't please everyone all the time. We probably should uh, talk about the weekend results. What do you reckon? Well, there is a song, if you can't please everyone, just please yourself. So that's what I'll do, Fee. <laughs> well, I don't want to watch you please yourself, Macca, so leave that until after the show. But in the meantime, <laughs> let's talk about the footage. show. <laughs> all right. We'll start off with the Brisbane game. and um, Yeah, let's do that. Um, yeah, uh, Carlton 74, Brisbane 100, Brisbane by 11 points on Friday night, uh, 26 points on Friday night, and um, probably a fair indication of where Carlton's at at the moment. Yeah, I thought one was interesting is uh, Dunkley. What an acquisition he's proved to be. Um, I thought oh, yeah. he was, I mean, I think for some reason, I don't know why the dogs always seem to underrate him, but uh, watching him play against the uh, Carlton, he set himself to nullify Cripps, but he didn't more than nullify Cripps. He just kept getting the bloody ball. He just yeah, kept getting yeah. it. Yeah. And he had about 14 or 15 tackles on top of that. I mean, it was an outstanding game. He got 176 Dream Team points, mate. It was just Yeah, a, I know. Yeah. And the interesting thing about it, though, is that since with his rise, Neil seems to be going downwards in the sense of uh, Lockie Neil used to be like a Brownlow medalist, but at the moment he's just looking like a very ordinary midfielder at the moment. Yeah. Well, it goes to show um, that in the end it takes a team to win a game of football, Mac. Yeah. You can have stars and you can have brilliant individuals, but it takes a team. And, um, you know, uh, Brisbane showed that maybe Carlton don't connect well as a team. Um, you know, Cripps is... Car- I know your thoughts on Cripps ver- varies from mine, but... Uh, I think he's a very good player, but I think he's carried the load in that midfield for a long period of time, and he needs others to step up. And I thought Walsh was a bit disappointing, um, copped, a, copped a knock, obviously, and I think that might have knocked him around a bit. But they don't get enough out of their secondary midfielders, in my opinion, Carlton. 
Well, Walsh does get a bit of the ball. He did get a fair bit of the ball, but he does nothing with it. Does, that's what it. I mean. He's not. He's not. They don't get any value out of him. He's a bit of a Matt Crouch, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that's a fair comment. All right. But overall, uh, yeah, what was good, interesting though, Brisbane won away from the uh, home against a team that put, that was purporting that they were pretty good, but they found yeah. out they weren't. Yeah, oh, I think we've known that about Carlton for a couple of weeks now. I think they're just fair to middling, to be yep. honest. Uh, Richmond uh, struggled early and you thought, what's going on here, but ended up comfortable 46-point winners over the Eagles, 104-58. to 58. I didn't watch the game, Matt, did you? Uh, I did watch some of it, but I wasn't. it wasn't the greatest game to watch. Um, it was basically all the midfielders that they've poached from elsewhere did very, very well and... Uh, Got the ball forward. They had the ball in their forward line a lot more, and they scored. And that's they scored more. But uh, they were only playing against West Coast. And one thing which was very sad to see was Jay Cully, who is, who is, in my opinion, was going to be a good footballer in the making, uh, did his knee in in the first two minutes of the game. Yeah, so that was, yeah, yeah, not that good. Was not, not much else to say about the game. Yeah. Um, and then we had uh, Suns getting robbed, absolutely robbed. I don't know whether you had a chance to watch um, First Crack just before the podcast tonight, but David King went through half a dozen decisions that Gold Coast didn't get in their favour towards the end there. Um, and it was actually nice to see. Uh, I go, I'm a bit on the fence about David King. Some of his analysis is really good, but he really likes the sound of his own voice, which kind of turns you off a bit, but... You know, he's one of the few in the media who are prepared to say uh, bad umpiring can cost a, a, a team a game of football, and I felt that bad umpiring cost the Suns a game of football against Melbourne. Yeah, that, look, that's probably true. They certainly didn't get the run of the, uh, the, the rub of the green. No, there's no doubt about that. Um, it looked like you know at one stage that the demons were going to win that, win it comfortably, but. Gold Coast just kept fighting back. Anderson has developed into a first-class midfielder. He did very well, and Rao did the tough work in the middle. And uh, they actually did have a chance to win the game. Oh, no, not win it, to tie the game thing. When McPherson had a shot with 40 seconds to go um, and uh, kicked a point, unfortunately, for them. Yeah, and, but there was a free beforehand to Troll that should have been paid. Yes, um, it was. It was, you know, I there were a couple of other. There was a there was a deliberate out of bounds that was ridiculous. It was put out in front of Max King, and and you know Max King could have chased it down because the ball did what the ball does and ran away from him. But it was definitely going in his direction. That was not a deliberate out of bounds. I mean, there was just a number of them, and it. it I don't like they talk about crowd bias, um, Macca, but what they've never spoken about is is state bias subconscious state bias and i'm not i'm not suggesting that umpires cheat i don't think that's the case at all but if you've grown up in a town where uh, football teams reside and there's a lot of hype and a lot of media and a lot of this that and the other about teams in your local area and then you go and umpire them i would love to see some sort of analysis on whether that feeds into a subconscious bias towards that team i think you'd find that you're right in saying it uh, they, in fact, I, they did publish those, those facts about two or three years ago, and it did support what you're saying. Yeah, so it, I, I find it frustrating because you've got a team like the Suns who are up against it. They're finding a little bit of form. They've been playing reasonably solidly over the last month or so. Come up against the, the one of the flag contenders 
and do a really good job and for all that hard work and let's not forget this is not backyard football there's millions of dollars poured into the success of a club and the fact that an umpire's call or or some sort of subconscious bias can determine the fate of 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 a club and cost them millions of dollars you know we're we're talking this is this is business this is not just amateur sport it might cost the coach his job a hundred percent so there's a lot riding on it and that means in my opinion they need to get it right and you know i'm hopeful that you know uh, andrew dillon comes in he's he seems to be for the people and blah 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 that's all good I hope he actually takes a little bit more of a granular look at how the game's running because I think for the last McLaughlin's reign has very been very much been about you know managing COVID and, and the bigger picture and the bigger financial picture and all the rest of it. I think we need a CEO that that drills back down that the game's in good nick financially it's in good nick. It needs it needs some work um, at a at a more detailed level, at a more granular level, and I hope Dylan pays a bit of attention to that because it does ruin a spectacle, doesn't it? Hundred percent, man. I think it's a very good summary. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on. Um, oh, I tipped the Giants, um, Mac, and they went down by fifteen points in the end, seventy-one to eighty-six to the Bulldogs. I didn't watch the game, but uh, I thought the Giants yeah. might uh, just uh, just nick this one. Good game, it was. Um... Watched uh, Bolton Pelly is at his peak at the moment as a yeah. footballer. He was outstanding. English in the ruck. And so the Giants are sort of battling against that. But to their credit, they, they made a bit of a run in the last quarter. And they didn't... They had to do without Green as well, who dropped out uh, early in the game. Or dropped out before the game, sorry. Uh, yeah. So that that was another handicap. Uh, no, look, Bulldogs aren't a great side, but they were just that little bit too good. Yeah, and uh, yeah, as uh, GP in the chat points out, I did mess up. I didn't realise Green was out until uh, after the game had started, and I couldn't change my tip. <laughs> uh, the other, I tell you, the other, t- I didn't have a very good Saturday night, Macca, because the other tip that I made, and it was just a one of those uh, you know gut feeling tips, but I tipped Hawthorne to beat Fremantle. <laughs> Yeah, Fremantle up by sixty nine points in the end, one hundred and seventeen to forty eight. Hawthorne never in it. What a disgrace! Yeah, the two Saturday night games, I had a situation where I'm flicking between two games and also watching a a guy who wanted to be a tampon become a king. So uh, you know, it was uh, just one of those nights, mate. Yeah, as Rabbit points out, I do need to see a gut doctor because uh, my gut instincts were way off, way off. But I did bounce back on Sunday. Uh, Port getting up over Essendon, ninety-two to eighty-seven. Entertaining game. Essendon had their chances, I think. Um, Port just uh, Travis Boke uh, was really clutch for them in this game. Uh, Mac, I thought he played really well at key moments, and uh, they just got over the line. Yeah, look, uh, I th- they, uh, Essendon they they won the first eight uh, clearances from centre, and it looked mm. like it looked like they were going to swamp them, but. Um, it was really, um, uh, I'm trying to think who it was, uh, but yeah, it was Butts, and, um, not Butts, no, what's his name? Um, what are you talking about? Oh, Butters, <laughs> Butters, sorry, Butters, yeah, 
Yeah, no, Butters, yeah, but, uh, Butters and Rogie really got them going. And, um, yeah, I think once they... And uh, Horn Francis actually started to show that he will be a very good player. He showed, there was some very good stuff from him during the game thing. And uh, when you consider number, no games he's played, I think he... I, I've, under, I've underestimated him. He's going to be very good. Well, you know, there's one person on this podcast that was very keen to get him to the club. <laughs> Oh no! Look, I think we all were, but uh, having said having said that, no, uh, then Midfield got on top, and then uh, Essendon they 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 actually uh, yeah, um, they had actually had a, a chance to actually uh, again to tie the game. Yeah, and uh, they're up and what's his name? The big the big um, fella. Uh, yeah, not Draper, the other one, blonde haired yeah, guy, the, William Williams. Yeah. No, no, not Williams. No. Um, okay. Anyway, go on. What well, are you talking about? The only guy who can rival uh, Riley O'Brien to be the most uncoached footballer in the game. He had a, a set shot for goal and uh, didn't make it. They got rushed through for a point. And so, yeah, that, that, that's unfair. Did you see what his record was from 47 metres out in that position? He'd never missed. He um, was two from two. It was two from two from that position. I wasn't. It was I kicking against the breeze, and it didn't make the distance. Like Phillips, that's Phillips. the guy's name. That's the guy. Yeah, I wasn't criticising his kicking. It was his. I was saying he's the most unco bloke as I've seen <laughs> since O'Brien. Seriously, he's got a rival. Yeah, speaking of O'Brien, really quickly, and we're not getting into the game, but when O'Brien had that kick at the siren, I thought to myself. Imagine if this was for the game. <laughs> <laughs> How do you think that? Uh, no. Anyway, uh, Collingwood, uh, a, a strong win over Sydney. Sydney fought hard, I guess, but uh, Collingwood, too much class in the end. Also, Sydney were actually in front at half time. Um, uh, I don't know how you pronounce it. Gwilden? Gildon? Gildon. He was. Ab- Gilded, phenomenal game. Absolutely a phenomenal game. He's a star of the future. He was phenomenal. And they, they, they were actually in front at half time, and I thought they were going well. At three-quarter time, though, when it was really close, I thought to myself, Collingwood will do the same. I think because Sydney uh, had made the error of trying to go defensive. They, like, like we did, they, instead of keeping on trying to attack, trying to attack, they went defensive. And once you do that against Collingwood, they just sweep you away. That's right. Uh, it showed in our game. It's exactly what we did, and it's exactly what happened. So I think the key with Collingwood, like you say, and teams are hopefully waking up to this, is you've got to keep at them. You've got to keep pushing them back. You've got to keep being aggressive and take your chances. You have to because you know they're going to be. So if you're yeah, going to go be right. passive and just try to resist, they'll get through you eventually. Yeah, yeah. And uh, oh, maybe the worst game of all time, certainly the worst game of this season was Ross Lyons St Kilda winning with 64 points North Melbourne not kicking a goal until the third quarter 34 points I watched three minutes of it playing and I was was cooked and I didn't want to see any more of it there was no way I was going to watch it just no way I could put myself through that well we're going to see it next week aren't we well, look, we should tow on 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 that. We should tow um, St Kilda up. If we play aggressive football, 
we should tower St Kilda up. They'll have that. Not only will they play eighteen players behind the ball, but they'll have the water boy behind there. They'll have the stutter. They'll have the freaking trainers. Ross Lyon will be behind there. They will stack their defence so hard against us because that's that's the only trick he's got. Yep, it is. It is the only trick he's got. You know, yeah. they all call him a great coach and master coach, and and yet look. The, the, their results have been good, but against the better teams, they're going to be absolutely... Like, you put them up against uh, an aggressive, hard-running team, they, they, don't have the, they don't have the manpower to overcome that. And I, I really hope we, we don't play their brand of football next week and, and it's a bloody 10-goal to 8 slog. I hope it's a 16-goal to 8 flogging next week because I, I, well, I can't I stand that. that shit yeah I endorse that well thanks Macca uh, looking at the ladder um, Collingwood on top uh, by a game on 28 uh, Melbourne St Kilda Brisbane and Port on 24 Port going alright but only 103 percentage maybe uh, maybe gives you a better indication of this season, Geelong sneaking up on 20 points along with Western Bulldogs. Uh, Carlton in the 8, courtesy of their draw on 18 points. Essendon and Adelaide just out of the 8 uh, on 16. And then Sydney, Frio, GWS, Gold Coast, Richmond, North, West Coast and Hawthorne. There you have it. Well, thanks everyone for joining us. Oh no, we've got another game. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so, look, I, it, is the ladder sorting itself out now, Mac? Are we down to maybe, um, I'm going to say, 12 teams, 13 teams maybe that could make it? Yeah. But, you know, not coming from me. Is anybody else hearing that echo? Well, I'll carry on. Yeah. No, you're probably right. What the hell is going on? Try now, Matt. I think something uh, just happened in my on my computer, and it just shut itself for a second. But I think I've fixed that up now. Okay. Uh, Is that better? No. Yep, that's it. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. There's probably, um, from our point of view, we're trying to sort of break into the bottom part of the eight, and we're probably one of that, those, those 12, 13 teams. But there's there's another battle going on down the other end, and it's, it's very clear that Hawthorne are trying to tank to get that number one position. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, they, they rest two very, very good players. Don't take them across against West Coast. Hmm. But I'm not interested in them. I'm more interested in who's going to make the eight, Mac. Well, I hope we do. My question was, before it started echoing, are we down to about 12 teams? Yeah, we are. So that takes us down to Frio. I reckon the Giants are an outside chance with their best 22 Honestly, I don't think Frio make it. I, Sydney would have to turn things around substantially. So you could even say it's down to 10, to be honest. I'm, well, I would say 
it would be not uh, unfair to take Frio and Sydney out of the, the race on their current form. Yeah. And, and to be honest with you, I think the three teams that are in danger are Carlton, Western Bulldogs, and despite where they're sitting at the moment, St Kilda, um, and the three teams that are possibles are Essendon, Adelaide, and I would say, despite their current sitting, GWS. Fair comment. So, um, you know, it, and it's usual around about this time that things start to sort themselves out. I think we are a very good... I, you know, from from here, I'd be slightly disappointed if we missed the eight. I, I felt that we'd finish in the eight this year. Most of people had had us between you know seven and twelve, which was reasonable. But as the season plays out, I think it's not unreasonable um, to want to peg ourselves above Western Bulldogs and Carlton. Um, certainly Carlton. Um, so I, I'd be disappointed if from here if we didn't make the eight. Well, the interesting thing is, Fane, is that if we picked normally for, uh, for goal, just av- got an average ratio of goals to points. We could have been 7-0 before this game. Should have been. Could have, could have should have, would have, Mac. And isn't. Could have, should have, would have. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that could have been happening. Um, but anyway, let's get on to our game. Um, and don't forget, as I mentioned earlier, if you are on Discord and you have an opinion about the game... Uh, want to have something to say stick your hand up and we'd love to have you on the show um, and um, keep your comments coming on YouTube as well we can see them come through so uh, uh, everyone's input is valuable but as it turned out Macca and you're right the, the margin blew out a little bit it was probably two goals more than what the game really was but Geelong by 26 points in the end 14-14-98 to Adelaide 11-6-72 um We've both, you know, expressed some initial thoughts on on this. I'm I'm really worried about our midfield, Mac, because I tell you who was reading Riley O'Brien the best out of all those midfielders, and that was the the bloke that used to row to him. And that's Dangerfield. From the first bounce, from the first bounce, Macca, he knew exactly where that ball was going every freaking time, and he it was taking it at speed too. That thing, just oh, to that's prove what he does. Point. That's yeah, what he but does. your point that he knew where it was going to because he wasn't just uh, taking it and then taking off. He's running yeah. to it and taking it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only the only time you have to be at the drop zone is at the point the ball's there, Mac. And yeah. the really good midfielders like you watch Clayton Oliver and well, probably more so Petrarca actually is like that. Uh, Dangerfield, um, you know, uh, the really good Pontempelli is another one that is very much like that. Hits contests at speed. Um, there's only one moment that you have to be in the right spot, and that's the moment when the ball's there. Yeah, because you're almost impossible to retire, uh, retire then as well. Well, and that's always been my criticism of blokes like um, Crouch and, and Laird, is that they camp themselves in where they think the right spot is, and so they're, abs- they're flat-footed and stationary when the ball's get when the ball gets there. So. And the the bloke that I really like that's been out of touch this year for us that does do that, a bit of danger field is Sam Berry. When Sam Berry's in good form, he actually does run through congestion and he does hit the drop zone with a bit of pace. He doesn't just camp himself. And I, I can't wait for Sam to get back into form because I really think he adds a strong, hard, uh, pack-breaking element to our midfield that we currently don't have. Sam Berry of, of last year 
Well, yes. He's doing exactly what you're saying. Yeah, he could yes. hit the ball at speed and keep, and he'd burst from the pack, which is, uh, it's a pity that he isn't in that form because, yeah, we haven't got anybody that's actually doing that. Dawson is trying to do that, but he's usually got somebody hanging on, on, you know, on him, so it's very hard for him to do that. But, yeah. um, but Laird, Laird etc. is usually just scr- he's usually scruffing away at the bottom of the pack, and uh, well, the others aren't getting it. Munja in the chat makes a very good point, and I agree. I've got high hopes for Luke Pedler uh, in taking on a bit of that role. He is a bullocking, buffeting, hard-edged player uh, who I think can impact stoppage like that. Um, and I think you know, give him another twelve months under Burgess and to get that tank right and I think we'll see that kind of a midfielder um you know and I think eventually we'll see a midfield of you know uh Barry uh, Pedler Dawson a uh, bit of a Shelley bit of a, you know a bit of rank and that sort of stuff uh, but for right now unfortunately as much as Laird accumulates the ball as as much as Matty Crouch when he came on got his hands on the pill a lot didn't do a thing with him um you know that's the difference between those kinds of players yeah no argument about that at all um it's it's i think going back to peddler i think he's got you know, he's going to be a star in the making i mean he's got every attribute thing and mm. i think people forget how many games would he have played would he have played uh, 12 yet i don't think he's over 15 yeah, out there, out there in the chat, they probably know, but he played, I think, three in his first year. Um, I don't, he wouldn't have played many, many games at all. Once this guy's got 50 games under his belt, he is going to be a monster. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and it's not a pissing contest, but I've been a fan of his from, from right from the get-go just because I just love the combination of pace and strength and a little bit of little bit of mongrel about him Macca and we we haven't had a bloke in our team with that mongrel for quite some time mm. no I, I like him he's good cool. you know and it's not a dirty player or anything like that it's just that he will not give up he keeps his feet which I love he doesn't go to ground um, he doesn't he doesn't um, sweat off the ball or anything like that he's just hard at it and his He's got a nice leg. Um, yeah, high hopes for him going forward. I can see why they were keen to bring him on even though he was underdone um, because those attributes are really starting to come out now in bursts. Yeah, look, he had a, he's had a, a lot of injuries as a, as a young lad as well. It, it was just a matter of, and it's really good that we did get the um, a fitness coach that we did because he's been perfect for Pedler because... Peddler's now starting to string games together. Yep. Um, all right, let's have a look at some of the team stats because it was relatively even in many respects, but there were some interesting ones. Disposals, basically even, 335, 333. Uh, kicks, 203 to 189. Handballs, 132 to 144. Mac... Um, I mentioned earlier about Geelong's approach of having a two-speed or a, a, a two-pronged um, transition, a two-phase transition, I guess. One thing we needed to do, in my opinion, was hit up far more short targets. We needed to be far more patient in our transition. I just felt like there was this, this urgent need to get the ball forward at all costs. 
and um, often it resulted in the ball just dropping into Radigalee's hands or Tom Stewart's hands. I, I just and felt like we weren't smart enough and we weren't patient enough about how we moved the ball forward. Totally agree. We'd too much, and we haven't been guilty of uh, this so much in recent weeks, but we were this particular week. Uh, and maybe it's, a, a, you know, the, the ground slightly narrower, but but it, it doesn't excuse the fact that they were bunching as tightly as they were. It just, it was maybe, you know, six or seven players, eight players to where we were kicking the ball every time. And, and that, uh, well, the majority of the time. And that's very, very difficult for the forwards and uh, rather, you know, you really need space and they kick to the space and they can lead to it. It's It's very evident in modern football that the only way that you can that well that, sorry there are two ways that you can transition the ball you can go fast on the rebound and and try and break through a team zone or if you don't do that or you haven't got the opportunity to do that the only other way that you're going to get any sort of spread is if you move the opponents laterally you've got to move their zone laterally and it might mean that you have to switch the ball back and forth two or three times you yeah. know, go back, go th- cut into the middle, go back out. You know, you've got to be patient enough and confident enough with ball in hand that you continue to try and move that zone side to side until you find a gap. And especially on a ground like Geelong's, which is so narrow, it's like a freaking road. Like, you cannot just dump kick the ball down the line because it'll just come back at you. Yeah, I mean, players like Fogg, uh, you know, he, he he never really got a fair crack at it all, all night. Uh, Walker got it a couple of times, but he also stuffed up a lot of times as well. But there was too, there was too much kicking to uh, kicking for hope, really. Well, and you know, you can do that if you've got a, a a set of tools that are actually making contests. But like our forwards were playing from behind, Fogarty and Tex were playing from behind continually. They were trying to outbody bigger opponents continually. Um, they just weren't presenting. They weren't hitting up. And I, I felt like our forwards were very lazy on the weekend. Our tall forwards, Mac, were very lazy on the weekend. There should have been far more uh, of that rubber banding stuff where, you know, you lead up and then circle back and you lead up and circle back. There was, like, if you think about how many times you saw a secondary lead by a tall there was never any. They'd make one lead and then they'd just sit there. Yeah, it's it's very disappointing because it's exactly what you said it was. Uh, I, I thought they let themselves down and let the team down. I, I really do. And I think they need to kick up the arse because, you know, at times they've looked like a lead-leading, a league-leading forward line. But just because that's what it looks like on paper, you've still got to make it happen. And I, I just felt like Tex and Fogg and uh, not so much Thilthorpe because he had a bit of a job on Blitz after poor bugger, um, but certainly Tex and Fogg, they did not work hard enough and they did not recognise, like Tex needed to recognise that the thing that was going to get reduce Radigalia's effectiveness in that, in that rebounding for Geelong was to get him getting chasing techs leading up the ground yeah 100% you know even to the extent where Tex was dummy leading just to get Radical we had to actually get Radicalia and Stewart out of the equation well you're 100% right and 
even if one of them uh, was just used as a decoy all the time, or alternatively to taking turns at doing it, but but to st- both staying back and both try to jostle with the, with the, their opposition rather than, as you say, one leading up to to break that pack up and get it more into a one one on one situation. Um, yeah, it, it, we played it very poorly in the forward line. Yeah, and Robert makes a good point. When Walker's out of form, he starts doing that little play from behind, sort of try to nudge him under the ball, shit, oh, and. Yeah. It frustrates the hell out of me. That and going up one-handed are the two key signs that Tex isn't isn't playing with any sort of confidence whatsoever. And um, he did it continually against Radigalia, and Radigalia is just too big for that. Well, uh, uh, give me your comments on this particular thought, Ben. I was reading in the paper where they put Walker in the best players, and I was thinking to myself, personally, I thought it was one of the worst three-goal games that I'd seen. 100%. 100%. A lot of people are saying, oh, he got three goals. Well, he got he took one good mark towards the end there. And the other two were, were kind of shark goals. But yes, a forward's job is to kick goals. But in, in when you're when you're talking about trying to break down an opponent's defence, he, he had a key role to play and he didn't play it, in my opinion. No, and there was a couple of times too which uh, was very unlike Walker when he could have actually given it to a teammate and he tried to do one of his fancy dodges and got caught. Um, yep. So that disappointed me as well. There was, so in my opinion, Tex didn't do a lot right. He did get three goals, yes, but I, did, I think there were so many debits against him that yep. yeah, I didn't, didn't like his game. No, I, I agree with that assessment, Macca. Wholeheartedly, I was actually surprised that people were talking Tex up just because he got three goals. Well, you know, that's three moments in the game, but for 97% of the time, he was bloody useless, in my opinion. Mm, I agree. Anyway, let's continue on with the team stats. Uh, efficiency inside 50 were very inside, uh, inefficient inside 50. Uh, only 20 shots from 46. We only had seven less inside 50s. Free kicks were even. Hitouts were even. Uh, but again, clearances, we got done by a few. Uh, we ended up winning centre clearances, and that was probably because poor old Paddy did a hammy um, because I bet you that half-time stat was looking a bit different. <laughs> um, they did us around stoppage, though, um, and that was a strength thing. How, how many times... Obviously, you know... It's 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 a good thing for a footballer to try and draw contact, right? So I have no problems with a player hanging on to the ball to draw contact, draw a tackle, and keep his arms free and give off because that that's a, a really intelligent way of um, uh, freeing up a, a teammate, right? But how many times? Was it evident that Geelong's strength just meant that every time we tried to brush a tackle, we got absolutely bulldozed? Um, we weren't able to get our hands free. They're very good tackling side, Geelong, very strong. And so, you know, you see Keys get caught a few times. Um, you know, Lockie Shoal got caught a few times. You know, we didn't have the strength to be able to accept that first contact and still give the ball um, in a positive way. Yeah, look, physically, uh, they, they're, they're a much older team and the majority of their team are physically mature and, and as mature as they're ever going to be. And we've got a lot of yeah. boys that have still got some filling out to do. So, um, yeah, I, I would say, like, if you play the same game, 
same people against the same players next week, next year, and with that little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, we could almost reverse the result. We just got brushed aside a lot. No, not if we do that, play that game plan again. Um, one forty-five to one twenty-nine contested possessions, one eighty-six to one ninety-two uncontested. It just shows you, Mac, that Geelong don't need to dominate you on the outside. Geelong will beat you at stoppage, and that's what I was saying to you earlier. That you know they they don't mind clearing defence and then resetting and then beating you at, mm. at stoppage. Um, they don't need a lot of outside ball. They don't get you don't you just don't get a lot of outside ball at GMHBA. So you've got to be prepared to transition differently and be a bit more patient. And you can see that uh, the difference is that's the if you look at the heat maps there, the quarter one heat map shows Geelong most of their stuff is happening deep in their defence or certainly in in their D fifty. Um, you know, the second quarter they sort of dominated us a little bit for a while. Third quarter, they're back into that defensive area, very much on the outer wing. And the last quarter, like their whole, if you look at the game's heat map, their whole, um, you know, uh, where most of the game is concentrated for them is around just backwards of centre, right? Whereas us, we were very much on the wing because our transition was just up and down the line. That that red mark on the heat map is just basically the ball burning a bloody red mark in the in the heat map from just going back and forwards the whole bloody night well, when Smith kicks off from a point I could put draw an X in a, on the ground where the ball's yeah. going to land every time yeah, yeah. and the thing that. about that is the thing about that is Mac too that he sits there for 10 minutes to, and Miller was the same when he was kicking out like they sit there for for thirty seconds, pretending as if they might be going to take a different option. Everyone in the whole bloody universe knows that they're not going to take a different option. But when they eventually kick the ball to that area, half the time they're not even kicking it to the advantage of one of our players. Like it absolutely blows my mind that we can hit up right half back consistently after a point, and yet half the time. We're playing from behind. We we haven't got our ruckman there or something like. It's just like it's basic football. I would have thought. Yeah, we we did have one variation for the game, but didn't go to that normal right hand side. And uh, I can't remember which one, whether it was Miller or Smith. They decided to go left to one player on two of the opposition, and naturally we lost the ball. Um, so <laughs> that was the variation, Pete. Yeah. And it's disappointing because I think if from memory earlier in the season we were changing it up a little bit um, off kickouts, but we seem to have reverted back to the norm, which is disappointing. Uh, time in possession is interesting. We were actually uh, we had five percent more time in possession. It just showed that we didn't use the ball terribly well when we had it. Um, you know, uh, the aerial contest was interesting. Ninety marks to seventy six uh, marks inside fifty was even, but then contested marks seventeen to eleven. Um, and intercept 68 to 63. Um, probably tells you a bit about what you need to know about where the game was lost, Mac. Yep, very clearly. Yeah. So, look, as I said, it just... I, I felt like I enjoyed our effort. I felt like um, we showed that we're a team on the rise because, you know, we weren't blown off the park. We did stay with them for the whole game. Uh, we didn't give up. We had our chances to to win, um, and and with a bit more um, c- 
composure from a couple of players, we could have won. So, you know, from that perspective, uh, there are clear signs that we've improved. What I don't see is improvement from the coach's box. Uh, well, no argument from me there. I mean, they, they do keep producing the same type of game plan, which um, doesn't, doesn't, it's not going to be the, a premiership-type uh, game plan. And we've criticised it many, many times, and they still produce it. And uh, I think Nick's can be a bit pig-headed like that. Well, I, don't, I would defy anyone to show me a tape of a team beating Geelong down at Cadinia Park playing the game plan that we played kicking the ball to, to half forward and, and hoping that we'd take a mark. Oh, and not manning up on Stewart. Yeah. So, you know, we've got professional coaches that watch hours of tape and you would hope that they would have watched over the course of the last 20 years the amount of tape that must have been watched about uh, about how to play at Geelong and yet we rock up there every time and we play there every friggin' year and we rock up there every year and play the same way and it's almost not worth watching and you know sometimes we'll we'll have a gallant defeat and sometimes we'll get blown out and all the rest of it's generally based on personnel but i would rather us go to gmhba with a completely different game plan and get blown out of the water by 20 goals than sit and watch that ridiculous excuse for a game plan for four quarters knowing exactly how it's going to turn out yeah you can you do know it's like uh, watching a film knowing the ending yeah 100 percent, 100 percent, and it feels like a film that i've watched 20 times now and so i find that really frustrating and, and you know uh, they say you know you bring in young coaches and they're innovative and all the rest of well there's there was absolutely no innovation in the way that we played geelong there was no innovation uh, we we didn't give we, there was no intent uh, to play any other way. So I would have loved to have been able to ask Matthew Nix and the coaching staff, in what way did you think you were going to win? What was what was the goal that was that you felt was going to give us ascendancy over Geelong playing that way? That's a very interesting question that you raise because. I don't know what answer he could possibly give, given the way that we did pie. Well, the only thing that I feel like he could he could say in response to that is that the the players didn't implement the team plan, team the game plan, and I, I I can only see that he would blame the players for not implementing whatever game plan was supposed to be being implemented because otherwise it's on him. Well, it's always back on him. It has to be so, back on him. And he's in charge of the players. Yeah, hundred percent. So you know, it, that disappoints me. It, well, it doesn't disappoint me. It frustrates me because these blokes get paid a lot of money, and you and I can sit here, and people on chat can sit here, and people watching at the game can can sit there, and and they we can see what's going on. You can see what's happening. And Matthew Nix and the coaching box are sitting in the stands, even if they don't come with the right game plan. After a quarter, you can see what's happening. Radigalia and Stewart are getting too much of it, so we've got to change it up. We've got to be more patient. Now, I didn't see any effort whatsoever during the course of that game to play any differently. The, well, the only time we, just, we started to play differently 
was at, during towards the end where we basically started to throw caution to the wind and actually started running at their zone and pushing through their zone and and making some headway. I don't think that's a sustainable way necessarily to play, but at least it, it was the old Collingwood um, um, headspace of you know play like you got nothing to lose sort of thing. Well, and, it, and actually. We- when we got into that situation, we did find a way to get through their thing, and because we were more desperate and uh, we're just doing anything to get through rather than trying to uh, follow a format that is a failure. So um, you're yeah. quite right. It, we did do different things and just uh, rushed it very quickly, and they didn't get time to, re- to set their zones in the way that they would like to have them. So, and we yeah. caught them out very badly with that one where Rankin got through and. Could have been yeah. a goal with a key situation. That way, we'd really burst through. Yeah. So, you're right. So, so the question is, why didn't we come out with that sort of game style? Why did it take until the last quarter when we were four goals down to go, you know what, we've got nothing to lose now, let's actually play attacking aggressive football? Because I tell you what, when we play attacking aggressive football, we're probably one of only two or three teams in the competition that are very, very difficult to stop. Geelong are probably the form team along with maybe... Um, Collingwood at the moment in the comp and they found it difficult to stop us and the only way Collingwood stopped us was when we actually stopped being aggressive Mm, totally agree you know the players and the coaches need to sit down and look at that and go look the most success we've had this season is when we play fast aggressive football and we use the 45 degree kicks we move the zone around we spread the ball we switch the play we're dynamic you know, all those sorts of things, that's when we are an effective, dangerous football team that's hard to play against. We weren't hard to play against. Geelong players were laughing and smiling and and having a bit of a joke for most of the game. I wanted to punch the TV because you could tell that, oh, we've seen all this shit before, we can deal with it. Like, this is is nothing. We know, you know, this isn't our first rodeo. Really frustrating. Yeah, I was watching with my son, and we said virtually the same thing to what you're saying now, Fiend, that, you know, that we, we just don't seem to learn. Um, there's Stuart un- unmarked. There's all our forwards in a congregated, in a pack together. No space, no leading, and, uh, yeah, same old errors. Yeah. All right, look, let's go through some individuals because I thought there were some interesting takes on a couple of players that I'd be interested in your opinion on. Geordie uh, Dawson. Um, I wasn't as enamoured with Geordie's game um, as I may have been uh, after the second watch when I watched it um, uh, like the game live. I didn't think he had a lot of impact. I think he had a little bit more impact than what I gave him credit for, but certainly um, we're not getting the quality out of him anymore, and I think... You know, when you when you t- we were comparing him, well, I was comparing him to a Bontempelli earlier in the game. It shows the distance he's got to travel to be a bona fide Bontempelli type midfield. When you watch how Marcus goes about it and and makes himself dangerous and puts himself in dangerous spots, that Jordan just hasn't quite. I mean, it's only his first handful of games in the mid, so I'm not being critical, but um, he's got a way to go yet. But even so, 29 touches, Mac, 18 kicks, 11 handballs, took five marks, six tackles, didn't hit the scoreboard. Um, you can see that he did most of his work through the middle of the ground, so I was glad that we resisted the temptation to put him back. Um, uh, 
10 contested possessions, 18 uncontested. Turned the ball over seven times, which shows that the uh, difficulty he was having um, with disposal. He was on danger field in that first half, and danger really led him to the ball, I thought. Only one goal assist and five score involvements again, um, Mac. And his, where's his inside 50 stat? here somewhere uh, here we are uh, six inside 50s but again I feel I don't feel like they're effective are they Mac well you want, you, well, you've seen it twice um, you would have noticed that he would he got a lot of attention in the middle they they realized oh, yeah. very they realized very clearly that that he's the one person with the ball who's dangerous uh, getting yeah. into our forward line, and most of, he, a lot of his clearances from the centre were under pressure with people holding him to travel, uh, uh, trying to drag him down, etc. So you're right, he wasn't as efficient as he normally is. I give him 100% credit for effort because he still gave all the same effort that he always gives. He just yeah. got had a lot of attention given to him, which reduced his efficiency. Yeah, and I would liken it to the situation that Cripps is in at Carlton and has been that, you know, when you've only got one really dynamic player running through the midfield, you know where all the attention's going to go. Yep, um, and that's fair. And, un- and unfortunately, Geordie's just going to have to cop that um, for a while. Um, a lot of people rated him as our best. Yeah. I'm not so well, sure, was- but we can, we can talk Well, we can talk about that as we go through. He um, the question who was better, though. That's the question. Well, yeah, that I, you know, we'll probably uncover that as we go through, that you might be right that, that he wasn't necessarily amazing but he was the best of ours um Brody Smith um and I'm obviously going into in order of disposals here 24 disposals 16 and 8 um three marks five tackles um five contested positions 14 uncontested um you know 600 meters gained I would imagine I would love to see the net result Mac because that's yeah, 600 look, metres gained, but how many of that was coming back the other way within two possessions? That's the interesting fact, isn't it? Because I thought Brody played very well at getting the ball, and there's no doubt mm. about that. Uh, but we do know that he loves the dump kick, and uh, and the dump kick doesn't is not very efficient. Well, I also wonder, it's occurred to me, I wonder whether those metre gained numbers actually include kickouts. Uh, oh, it does. It does include kickouts. So there's 50 metres of kickout. Yeah. Because yeah. he kicks it to right half back all the time. So if he, if he took, you know, six or seven kickouts, then, uh, you know, there's there's three 350 metres already, so that reduces that number. So it makes it look less impressive, doesn't it? Um, eight rebound 50s. Uh, so, well, there you go, seven kick-ins. So that's, call it 300 metres. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I. To me, what we're not getting from Brody anymore is that dash through halfback. You know, Brody Smith of old, he'd get the ball, he'd dodge a player, he'd run fifteen meters, and then he'd he'd kick it long. You know, so at least you got a bit of value out of his possession because of just the the distance covered. What we're getting now is, in general play at least, we're getting a stationary, a, a kick off a stationary 
Brody Smith often kicking around his body. Um, we're not getting any attack from Brody, if that makes sense. Uh, the one thing I will give him uh, credit for is his desire to get the ball, and I thought you know I thought that was good that he made very good effort to get the ball, yeah. and uh, yeah. uh, so it's just. It's he's not the complete package because of his disposal. Well, yeah, that's true. But I, like I said, I, I feel like he's lost the ability, and it's obviously well, age and and coming back from an from an ACL. I guess he's lost a yard. But we're not getting like I would I would say that his if there was a stat, and I'm sure there's a stat for distance carrying the ball not just metres game, but actually distance carrying the ball, then pre-ACL, Smithers would have been right up there amongst the competition leaders. A bit like, look at a guy like Isaac Smith, for example, who will run with the ball before he kicks it long. That's what we used to get from Brodie Smith. What we're not getting now is Brodie Smith running with the ball. So we're losing that that zone-breaking capacity that he had. It's a very good point you raised there, uh, because... That extra 15 or 20 metres that you get, maybe 30 metres with a bounce, uh, can get the ball inside 50 rather than uh, short between the 50 and the, uh, the centre of the ground yeah. Yeah. where a rebound puts you straight back into trouble. Yeah. Well, it can turn the zone around, Mac. If you've got a, a bloke that runs through the, the that can get through the front part of a zone and kick over the zone, you'd, you'd turning the defenders around then and that's when you've got them at a disadvantage and we used to get a bit of that from Smithers and, and unfortunately, you know, for factors, obviously, um, we're not getting that so much. And we don't really... Uh, I think that's what we were getting from Dawson off halfback. Yep. Um, and yeah. as a consequence of having Geordie in the midfield, which I'm uh, totally up for, I, we're calling for that all season, but what we haven't been able to replace him. Unfortunately, Miller hasn't been able to provide that, that dodge and weave and, and run that... that um, carrying the ball um, Smithers can't do it we don't really have another bloke at the moment who seems to be able to carry the ball off halfback Hinch Correct. does it a bit yeah, Hinch does, does it a bit yeah but he was forced into a negative role uh, yeah. you know once Murray went off yeah yeah and the only thing I'll say about Mitch is that and I'm a big fan of Mitch Hinch the, the only thing that I'll say about Mitch is he's very left sided so he's like it's quite easily predictable where Mitch is going to go. He's always going to end up on his left side. Um, so um, you know, it kind of once teams work him out, which they obviously have, you know, they can force him onto his left side and get him to kick the ball wide instead of cutting through. And often he, when he does cut through, he gets gets a bit of the muddy madness and tries to take on one too many. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Chase Jones is one that could provide that sort of runoff halfback. I've liked his work off the wing, Mac. Uh, but Chase, I feel, could be the sort of bloke that could run, could break a line with ball in hand. Uh, but he needs a little bit more composure, and his spatial awareness is a little bit of a problem, I guess. Um, look, he is a person who could do it. Um, I think the greatest problem with Jones is Jones in the sense of self-belief. And that's what he's obviously been struggling with all this time. And he's starting to build a little bit of self-belief up. Uh, he was pretty quiet there for a period there and in the game. And then he started bursting into the game again on the weekend. Um, mm. 
if the guy could be psyched into thinking I'm a really good player, he could he could certainly do the job. Uh well, I think we've said, I think we've seen him overcome that Macca. What I what I think we're seeing, and I I, I think Jones has been playing well uh, for a month. I think we're seeing his ability, but also I think he, we're seeing his limitations. And as Vardy pointed out in the in the chat, he's tunnel tun, tunnel. Oh my god, tunnel visioned, just the same way Marty Matner used to be, right? Mm. And what. Uh, Marty Matten has got a lot to thank Paul Ruse for because Paul Ruse recognised that and and gave Matten a very clear roles to play. You know, Matten's game was not complicated, but they got the maximum out of him to their benefit at Sydney. Whereas we wanted him to be the complete footballer, and of course he wasn't that, and it, you know it, it didn't work out for him here. I think there's a bit of that about Chase that he just needs clear simple instructions um, and not have situations where he needs to think too much. As soon as he needs to think too much, he's a deer in the headlights. And that's probably the only concern that I've got about him running off half-back because he's got to be a bit of a decision-maker off half-back and I, I reckon he might turn into a turnover merchant in that regard. For him on the wing, I do. Yeah, I do too. I, I, I do. Um now, Rankin got 21 touches, which I was a little bit surprised about. I didn't think he got that much of the ball, but 11 kicks, 10 handballs, uh, 6 marks, 2 tackles. Kicked 2-1. Uh, should have kicked 3-1, for God's sakes. I don't know. What do you reckon, Mac? Did he run out of steam running into goal, or did he think he was going to make the distance? I can't answer that, because in the end, um, if he thought he was going to run out of steam... He didn't even put it, he didn't even put his hoof right through the ball. I, I, no. I just can't work out what he thought he was doing. I, I I don't know whether he was trying to pass it, whether he was trying, whether he miskicked it, or what he did because um, what, the kick that he ended up doing was illogical. It was illogical. It should have been a shot at goal. Probably would have been the right one. Um, oh, it had to be. Had but he could have, he could have bounced the ball. I think I I think what actually happened is he didn't want to bounce the ball again for fear of losing it. Yeah, and then probably got slightly off balance with the because yeah. then he his kick was very ordinary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He bounced it three times, Andalus. You're right, but I think once he burnt Duncan off, I'd and he had the goals in front of him. I think what went through his head is I don't want to bounce it again and and it not come back to me because of the damp ground or whatever. Um, that's what it looked like to me. The only other thing it could have been is he was cooked, um, but. God, he could have run in another 20 metres and just popped that through. Uh, a real shame. But look, he didn't have a bad game. Eight contested possessions, 13 uncontested. Only turned it over four times. Um, as I said, scored two goals. One, six marks. Uh, two of them inside 50. Gained 315 metres. This number here bothers me. He didn't have one centre bounce attendance, Mac. I really would like to see him played in burst through the middle, and I think we could have done with that on the weekend. Well, I totally agree with that, um, and it's disappointing that he wasn't because it's, it's not like we were smashing them in the centre. So um, and, uh, it would have been good to put him there because he does read the ball off hands very well. Well, and he's a burst player. 
You know, he you know that he'll make something happen. He's that kind of player. And for, for them not to... You know, it would have been the perfect opportunity when Danger went off just to exploit that for a minute while they were reorganising themselves, just to give Rankin two, two cracks at it, you know, out of, out of the middle, just to see if we could take advantage of their, you know, imbalance briefly. And they're the sort of little things that I feel like our coaching staff miss. Just those little opportunities. I find it very frustrating. Um, no tackles inside 50 was a little bit of a concern. Our tackles inside 50 count was low, um, which was uh, disappointing. Uh, but look, overall, not a bad game from Isaac. I probably didn't notice him as much as what the stats suggested I could have. Um, I did like his game in the sense that uh, he he did do little bits of contribution right through the game rather than just being uh, a, a guy that will have a snap here and there uh, in the forward pocket. Uh, he did drift around and he did contribute at times. I, I thought he, uh, he was reasonably noticeable. Yeah, OK. Um, all right. Uh, Rory Laird. Um, interesting interested in your thoughts on Laird. He had eight kicks, 13 handballs, two marks, 14 tackles, um, nine contested possessions, 12 uncontested possessions, three turnovers, um, only three score involvements, Macca, um, two marks, 279 metres gained, 23 CBAs for only four centre clearances, six in total. Um I thought Laird was reactive. I actually thought the young lad, and I forget his name, the the bloke that um, uh, the younger lad in there now. What's his name? Do, do, Atkins. Do, do. Uh, Was it Atkins? Yeah, Atkins. Yeah, I, I I felt like Atkins actually was far more damaging for Geelong than what Laird was for us. Well, Laird was very dubious with his. Um and uh, and I, I thought his game reflected that. I don't think he was as demonic as he normally is at getting the ball. He was good at tackling when they had the ball, but that's coming from behind them rather than being in front of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, it was also very, 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 very... In fact, I was shocked. I've never seen Laddie do that before, giving away that free that killed our oh, momentum in the last. I've never seen Rory do that before. So it it was clear that um, that lad was getting under his skin, that Rory was playing frustrated, uh, because in however many games of football that I've seen Laddie play, I've never, ever seen him react like that. I've never seen him give away a free behind uh, play ever. But that that was play. And he couldn't have done it at a worse bloody time. That's right. And, you know... Atkins went down like a sack of spuds, obviously, but it was but Led genuinely went up behind him and pushed him without the guy noticing. You could tell, yeah. um, you know, no problem with the free kick at all. I, I just, I just couldn't understand it. I like the ball's gone. Why are you doing that? And just, uh, with four eye umpires, you just can't do that. And it just killed our momentum. It was one of those two momentum killers, along with the Rankin one where we had the run of the play and we had the opportunity to really put some pressure on them and it just sucked the life out of us. Absolutely, because we, we had a burst going there and and we would look like we are going to go straight down the ground and next minute, bang, it had to come all the way back and they get a goal. And as you yeah. say, it, just, it would just would have... 
uh, our, you know, the other players who would have gone, well, I can't say what they would have thought, but you know what they would have thought. And, and, and also start to think negatively instead of positively. Yeah. So, you know, uh, not one of Rory's better games, I thought. Um, you're right, he's probably carrying a calf. Uh, we don't have a lot of midfield talent pushing up at the moment with Sam being out of form and Harry Schomburg being sadly out of form and um, young Taylor probably not quite there yet. And, uh, he's injured. He's yeah, injured. yeah, well, he's not quite there yet anyway, really, Zach Taylor yet. Um, you know, we're getting a little bit out of Bill Dowling. It's almost it's almost time to have a look at Billy Dowling, Mac. Well, I think by the end of the year we will, but I don't think they'll bring me in this early, though, Clay. No, but I'm just thinking, you know, at some stage you've got to... But particularly with calves, calves can be annoying because they can be really restrictive because you can't push off when, you've got a, when you're carrying a calf. You've just got no leverage um, on that first couple of paces, and I'd like to see them give Rory a, le- a rest at some stage. Yeah, well, next week's probably as good a week as any. Yeah. Um, all right. Now, now this this one this one's going to get rabbit jumping, hopping, I should say on the, on the chat. Jake Saligo. <laughs> uh, Jake Saligo. Twenty disposals, twelve kicks, eight handballs, three marks, four tackles, kicked behind. Um, had nine contested possessions, eleven uncontested possessions. Turned it over four times, rabbit. Uh, also, four intercept possessions, uh, three score involvements. Um, uh, what do you think, Mac? I I like a, a lot of what Jake Saligo does. Um, he's not at the point of being overly damaging at the moment. He's very much a link player right now. Uh, only had the two inside 50s. Um, at times, you see him at centre bounce of 10, it says, and he just runs through a... a uh, a clearance, you think, oh, that was really good. You know, he reads the ball really well off hands and all that sort of stuff. And I feel like that's going to be one of his, uh, one of the strings to his bow as his career develops. And I think it's unfair to try and put expectations on Jake Saligo in terms of being a match winner or a linchpin or anything like that at the moment. But, um, you know, I think I think he's playing a good role at the moment. What do you think? I like well, I liked him game in the sense that um, you're right about he's not going to be that first player from the centre, but uh, he he he's a guy that earns a lot of hard balls that other players can't earn, and then gets it to a teammate. And uh, he did he did quite a lot of that. He's done it done that virtually every game he plays. He's, he's earned. Some balls other players won't get because he's prepared to bust his guts and half died to get the ball. And um, that, that's half the battle of a player. And after that, um, and he's usually in a situation where he's under pressure and, as you say, becomes a link player, shooting it out to a teammate. So, you know, the teammate roars off with all the glory while he's done all the hard work. But, no, I like him. I just think he's a, he's going to be... And he's only played 20-odd games. Double it and he's just going to be a, a very, very good player. Yeah, Rabbit makes Rabbit makes a comment on the chat about him being a step behind. I'm not seeing that. I, I can certainly pick up what you're putting down, Rabbit, with regards to his disposal because I think at times his disposal isn't damaging. 
But in terms of not playing at the speed of the league, I disagree with that because he's often at the fall of the ball. He's often leading his opponent through uh, congestion. I, I don't see what you're seeing there, but I do agree that his disposal needs work. And I think what that comes down to, what I think Jake needs to work on uh, with Burjo is his his first five steps, his explosiveness out of congestion. I think Jake can be a little bit one-paced. Yeah, I I think his pace is good enough. I I think it's at AFL level. Um, I'm not saying he's a a burst player, but no, I I think it's okay. I think in order for him to get... Like, you'll see him go through congestion quite often, but he'll get caught. Not caught as in taken down, but he'll be scragged. And I think that does impact on his disposal. I think in, whether it's a little bit more strength through the cord, which is just you know a couple of pre-seasons, or whether it's just a little bit more uh, burst speed, he needs something to allow him just to get a little bit of separation, in my opinion. And, and that'll come. That will come uh, as he gets yeah. more experience and he gets a little bit stronger and a little bit more fitter uh, as his body grows, muscles and all the rest of it. No. I like him. He's going in the right direction. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Um, now, the next bloke, Maka. I don't know what you. I don't know what you can say about Lockie Murphy because I felt his last quarter was one of the best quarters of football I've seen him play for us. His desire and his his. Uh, the, his first for a small player, the the overhead marks he was taking, the clean takes he was taking out of out of congested situations, I, I thought, I thought he was um, our best player in the last quarter, and it just shows me that played in the right way, Lockie Murphy is an asset to the side, and and that playing him the right way is is that. What you were describing that Geelong do with their half forwards about getting them up around the contest during transition, it's a, that's where Lockie Murphy shines, in my opinion, when he's around stoppage clearances in those high high half forward wing type situations. Yep, a hundred percent. And he showed he was a for as a Crows player, he was the bravest Crows player on the ground. The way he played, honestly, I. He's not the best player in the team, but but he's the bravest player in the team. I thought he was fearless. He just put his body in the line. He, he went for marks overhead that I could I couldn't believe he could take, which he did. And I, in other words, he he gave a hundred percent to the team. And I must admit, he went up in my estimation by a hundred percent. So let me ask you this, Mac, because I I agree with what Rabbit says in the chat that he's like. The, the most natural attacking clearance player we have in our team, why wouldn't you give him a couple of CBAs? <laughs> That's a bloody good point. It's an excellent point. I mean, I why don't know why. And he yes, he's small first. and all the rest of it, but we're talking about a situation where the ball's at ground level. Why wouldn't you give him a couple of uh, CBAs? Well, Parrish is built like a stick of celery. I mean, and he and he gets the ball out of centre all the time. Um, so you don't have, so you don't have to be built like a brick, brick dunny to actually play play in the mid. You just got to be good. And I must admit, the way he's going at the moment, I would give him some CBA to try him out. 
Yeah, and Vardy's right. His best at stoppage, in my opinion, where he can be on the move and and come from the outside of a contest and, and go through. But I still like this is where we need to be more versatile and throw different looks at the opposition, in my opinion. And one of the looks that we we've talked about is um, Rankin. Uh, we can certainly, I think, do the same thing with Luke Pedler, and I think we can do the same thing with Lockie Murphy as well because he is a natural clearance player. I, I know um, Bix on um, Big Footy uh, is a big rap for Lockie Murphy because he saw a lot of his juniors, and and Lockie Murphy was a standout junior in the mid playing in the midfield. You know, he is a natural midfielder, and I, I just. You know, he's got a lot of knockers and I think a lot of the time Murphy's been the victim of two things. A, a bad game plan and B, just being wanting to be part of everything and maybe going for balls that he shouldn't and, you know, that sort of stuff. But I think in a structured in a structured situation where he's got specific roles, he is an absolute asset, in my opinion. Well, I thought, as I said, I, I, he, I thought he was very, very brave on the weekend. I, th- I thought his courage was unlimited and, and actually he's, uh, he was very effective as well. Yeah. And I, I'm actually going to place a ban on bagging Lockie Murphy for the rest of the year because he is an easy whipping boy. He He is one where you can call him out quite easily because he does get involved in a lot and often gets asked to do things that, uh, he shouldn't be getting asked to do, and I, I'm going to give him a leave pass for the rest of the year. It's an anti Lockie Murphy uh, banning, uh, sorry, no bagging Lockie Murphy zone for the rest of the year, Macca. Well, it's a bit rich because he might have, have a couple of real shitters in a row, but. No, um, well, we don't bag you when you have a couple of shitters, so. You do. <laughs> uh, never happens, Mac. Come on. Oh, no. professional. On the other hand, all right, and I'm going to make a comment just before, um, just before we continue. I saw a tweet, and it wasn't the only tweet, uh, during during or just after the game on Saturday, giving Kelly Underwood shit, right? Uh, the tweet was something along the lines of, is Kelly Underwood the worst commentator ever to have commentated? Blah, 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 blah. I don't care what you think about Kelly Underwood. I'm not the biggest... Hang on, hang on, let me finish, because I've got a point to make. It doesn't matter what you think about Kelly Underwood. The thing that annoyed me... And the tweet was made by, by someone that we both know, Mac, um, and the thing that it really got under my skin, and it wasn't necessarily the opinion that was being expressed. It was it. It made me stop and think. You know, in the past, before social media, if we'd had a th- an opinion about Kelly Underwood, then we would have talked amongst that amongst our friends, and maybe twenty people would have been, you know, uh, privy to that opinion you know i would have said to you god kelly underwood's a pain in the neck and you would have gone yeah i don't like her and someone else would have gone oh, i don't mind her and you know it would have been confined to but now all of a sudden we have a mechanism not only to express that opinion to a gazillion people but also on a on a platform that she can see herself now i'm not trying to defend kelly underwood 
But it, for some reason, it might have just been my mindset at the time when I saw that comment. It really struck home to me how we need to be very careful about bagging individuals because we must remember that in the past when we'd bag an individual, it would be within a closed group. And now it's amongst millions of people on a platform that they themselves can see. And you can understand how it gets to, to some people. What, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, look, I saw that particular tweet. Um, I'm not as anti it as you are in the sense that um, I think that I, I don't particularly like her as a commentator either. I, I, w- I didn't actually, I didn't post that, but um, I don't particularly like her as a commentator and uh, I don't think she's uh, totally 100% uh, capable of remembering all the players' names, and I don't think agreed. And she's also got a. Uh, I don't like the sound of her voice. It's, you know, I think that when you have uh, somebody as a commentator, it's a specialist role, and you really got to have a good voice for it. And she, I don't think she's got that. And so, but this, but and, but, but my comment's not about Kelly Underwood. And you know, your comment is about bagging her publicly. Um, no, not her publicly. People publicly, individuals publicly. Well, I, uh, the, the post that I saw if, was that they didn't like her as a commentator and from that point of view, I would agree with that. And, and I think if you're a commentator and you are in the public scene, I think you have to accept that you're going to get comments like that. Uh, Matt asked if it was a male commentator, would I say the same? Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, no, well, my 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 comment my comment is around how desensitised we are as a society these days. Because would you go up to would you walk up to Kelly Underwood and say you're a shit commentator, Kelly? I wish I'd never heard, have to hear you on the TV ever again. Well, I wouldn't do that to anybody. No, exactly. But you would on Twitter. I didn't do it. I just agreed with it. Well, it's the same thing. You're piling on. Well. If you want to call it that, but by the same token, um, if you adopt the policy that you're talking about, we will never say anything about anything. It's not about saying anything about anything, but it's about the platform that we're saying it on. You would ne- to me. I, I I wish people would adopt a view that if you're not willing to go up to someone and say it to their face, you shouldn't say it on on social media. That's what I well, think. If, that, if that's the case, Twitter wouldn't have a post on it. Well, yes, it would. Yes, it would. It's it, it's a change of mindset. I, I've become very conscious over the last 12 months. I'm quite sensitive to the shit that Jason Horn Francis has copped. I'm quite sensitive to a lot of uh, individuals who, like we're talking about people who have committed suicide because of the, the pylons that they've been subject to on social media. And, you know, it, you get to a point where you've got to, people have got to be accountable for that. You and I are part of the Twitter community, Mac, and, um, you know, we've got to be accountable for that collectively. And I feel like there should be a golden rule and people should have enough moral fibre to think, all right, well, if I wouldn't say this to this person's face, I shouldn't say it at all. Or at least I shouldn't say it on a public forum. Well... There are, you know, if you go through the chat on, on here on Discord, there are comments made about us, both you and I, that, are, that, that aren't uh, 
at times aren't complimentary and if they want to say that, so be it. Um, that It doesn't worry me in the sense that... Um, but the chat isn't a public forum, Maka. It's a confined forum of, um, you know, no, we've got 330 members on Discord and we generally have, you know, 70 to 100 people watching us on YouTube. We generally have, you know, 25 to 30 people in our live audience and maybe another 40 or 50 in our live chat. But it's a confined space. It's not Twitter which is a, or, or Facebook or Instagram or anything like that where... It's open to everybody. Yeah, look, I agree. It's a totally different forum, but um, yeah, oh, look, I I understand why you're saying what you're saying, and you, you're probably right. But by the same token, I still am of the opinion that that is my personal opinion that once you put yourself in the public eye, whether it's good or bad, whether it should be or shouldn't be, it's going to happen. It doesn't. Well, yeah, but you're saying that as if it's a fait accompli, and I don't want to labour this point too much more. But you're saying it as if it's beyond our control. And what I'm saying to you, Macker, is that a, a public forum like Twitter is the sum of its parts, and the human beings that post on Twitter are the parts, and the human beings are conducting themselves on public forums like Twitter in a way that they wouldn't necessarily conduct themselves in in a face-to-face situation. And I feel like you can still be critical of someone. Look, I'm not the biggest fan of Kelly Underwood. Um, she gets a lot of players wrong. Uh, her voice is, is not pleasing to my ear. And uh, I, found, I find her delivery a bit monotone. But that's different. Me saying those three things is different to me saying... Kelly Underwood sucks, she's fucking hopeless, you know, she should never be on TV. Like, that's very aggressive. You know, no, whereas, whereas saying something that is fact-based and constructive, she might go and look at the tape and go, you know what, I could give a bit more inflection to my voice. I'll work on that. Do you understand well, what I mean? I do. The, only, the part that I agree with is the fact that um, she gets the players wrong and, and didn't like the sound of her voice. That was the part that... It, that's the only post that I agreed with. There may have been worse posts than that, but uh, anyway, I that, that, I don't want to labour the point. But the reason I say this is because this next player sucks. No, just play it. Just, just kidding. Uh, Wayne Miller, um, I think, needs to go back to the twos and work out what sort of player he wants to be. To be honest with you, um, he got a little bit more of the ball than he has in previous weeks, but I didn't think he actually added anything to our, uh, us being dangerous to play against. Uh, had 18 disposals, 8 and 10, 5 marks, 1 tackle, um, you know, uh, 6 contested possessions, 10 uncontested, 7 intercept possessions, 2 score involvements. Um, you know, when we're talking about running carry off halfback, Wayne Miller is one of the blokes that we need to get running carry off halfback from. We got 195, 194 metres from him. And that included two kick-ins, uh, Mac on so Mac is so probably a hundred meters we got from Wayne Miller. Yeah, um, and I just uh, Wayne needs to work out what he's doing, what what his role is, and how he can best play that role. Because at the moment, he, and he, he, you and I could go and sit at halfback and play his role at the moment. Well, he's got tons of skill. That's the one thing he has got, and. 
he's got tons of pace, but we're not getting any much benefit out of it in the sense that you would think that if once Miller had got hold of the ball, he should be really creative, uh, very damaging, or he should take off and, and, and gain ground. But you're right, I, I just don't think he goes for little hand passes to somebody else or a little dinky pass. I, I just don't think, well, he is capable of playing better than that, than that and, uh, but while it was perhaps a, a, a close pass on the weekend for his game, he should be doing a lot more than that. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, I look, I, I felt like we were let down by... Miller, I felt like we were let down by um, Darcy Fogarty had a had a absolutely nothing game, uh, only nine disposals, six and three four marks. Uh, he tried in patches, but he was the he was the further away from goal he got, the more effective he was. And what we needed him to be is a bit more effective um, in scoring positions. And unfortunately, College Asney, um he blanketed him. Unfortunately, yeah, he did. Yeah. He, no, he was done like a dinner. Um, young Joshua Shelley, I thought, also had a very um, uh, poor game. Eight and seven, um, absolutely destroyed my dream team. Um, well, you know, it, let let me give you let me give you something interesting though. Luke Peddler, Luke Peddler, and Joshua Shelley had the same amount of disposals. And yet we're talking up Luke Pedler and we're talking down Joshua Shelley, and that just goes to show you that stats can can be misleading in a very big way. Well, Pedler was very dynamic with his possessions, um, and you know I'm a great Rochelle fan, but I have to call it he played a shitter, an absolute shitter. He just looked like he didn't he. Oh, even the possessions he got, it almost looked like he got them by accident because he just wasn't reading the play well. He wasn't in the right positions. He's, um, yeah, it's a, it's the worst game he's played with the club's colours on. I actually felt like Josh looked a little bit intimidated, to be perfectly honest with you. Could be. Could be. Because he certainly... He just wasn't in the right place all the time. And, um, and I was thinking to myself, you are better than this, but, but he wasn't. Yeah, he just looked a little bit... Um... Yeah, a little bit spooked. Um, Lockie Scholl undid probably a month of decent work with a very insipid game. Uh, again, another one who I felt was physically intimidated um, by Geelong. Um, you know, obviously that tackle in the goal square where he just needed to front on that guy and he didn't. Uh, there was a couple of other times where he was indecisive, got caught with the ball, um, didn't provide us a lot of run off half-back or off the wing. Um, and it's a shame because Lockie's had a good month, in my opinion, and earned his spot, but he let himself down. Um, and I guess there's two parts to that, Mac. First of all is we're a young side developing, but at the same token, we have seen before mature crow sides that get intimidated in big moments, and I really don't want to develop a side that gets to the pointy end of the of their... Um, development cycle and is able to be intimidated by other teams and look there's just something about Lockie that makes me worry about that yeah you know Barty Magic says right off Cadinian Park performance and not, to some degree I think we do have to do that because um, uh, many, many a team many a player doesn't perform down at Cadinian Park and 
Um, I do agree everything you've, you've said about his game. It was it wasn't it was a poor game actually, and you know one arm tackles are never going to do the job either because they get first through. But uh, I think in a, in a lot of cases, I think we're right about what we're saying about the players, and then I think we say, have to say what Vardy Magic said: it's Virginia Park, and let's move on, and let's not repeat it next week. Well, you know, and without labouring too many more players, um, we'll have a chat about next week before we finish up. I thought Hinge was very good. I thought uh, Jones was okay. Duday was okay. I thought Rory Sloan really tried to um, to ignite something. But, I, you know, we had too many CBAs with Keys and Sloan in the same rotation. Yeah. yeah. You know, and when we had Crouch in there as well, oh, this doesn't work. It just doesn't work. We need... That's where we needed someone dynamic running through there, like a Rankin or a Peddler or someone. You not not keys, not with Sloney. It just it's not going to work. There was another player that had a very very poor game, and that was Phil Yeah, well, Riley had an interesting game because he was running with Blitzars Macca, and Blitzars isn't like they call him the unicorn, and you can see why he's an absolute freak. He's an he absolute is. freak. Yeah. Who like Stephen Wells, like he gets talked up as a recruiting guru and all the rest of it. For him to spot Mark Blitzars out of a what was he a steeplechaser or a long distance yeah. runner or something, and to Steeple pluck chaser, him yeah. out and turn him into an AFL footballer, absolute masterstroke. That's, the guy is insanely built. He's an absolute brick shit house. He's got shoulders as wide as my house, you know. So. I'm prepared to give Riley Thilthorpe a bit of an out here because he was absolutely cooked by the end of that game and Riley's got a pretty good tank himself. Uh, but he got outrun, he got outmuscled, he got outplayed. Yeah, monster. I'm just going to... That's a learning That's a learning call for, for Riley. Um, you know, not there's not many players that can actually run with blitz arms and be effective. Um, can I just have one question about uh, Geelong. Have you noticed that they have a different jump style of jumper to every other team in the competition? That uh, around their arms, it, the armpit is cut away quite severely, uh, even around the back. Um, and I think, you know, normally the others just have they have a cut a thing around the the armpit. But theirs is cut into the back a bit, and there's a real big. It's more like a singlet, back. isn't it? It's and I think it's yeah yeah exactly and I think that's designed to make it harder to grab their guernsey. Would that be right? Well, I mean, I would have put it down to the fact that of their um, their manufacturer is not a traditional sportswear manufacturer, cotton on. Uh, so I would have put it down to that. Cotton on also, I think, make the a lot of the AFLW guernseys. Um, but it's a good point that you raised, Mac. I'd never really thought about it this way. I just put it down to the manufacturer, but you, there might be something in what you're saying. You have a look at next time Geelong are playing, and it's yeah, totally, different, totally different. Yeah, I, I will. I will. It's an interesting point you raise. Um, you know, we should call in the stewards. There should be some, should be some standard, standard dimensions. Um, uh, just to round off, we'll finish up with the players here, but just to round off, Macca, what would you have done with Tom Stewart? Personally, I would have played, I would have hard-tagged Tom Stewart with Tom Diddy. That's what I would have done. Um, that would have sort of upset the balance in the back line. I would have actually used keys on him. The keys isn't said, tall you... enough. 
Keys isn't tall enough. Tom Stewart's one ninety something. Um, I, but Stewart's not taking a comp- uh, overhead competitive mark. He's just getting out on his own. He's just, not a bad comp- contested mark. But the Stewart. point is, if he's got, but if he's got somebody with him, they're not going to go for these twenty meter passes to him all the time. Just to take him, the idea would be just to take him out the equation. Just take him out so that they've got to do a more conventional clearance. Yeah, I, I don't know whether I would have played keys, but he needed to have somebody that every time, like somebody that, that didn't care about what was going on in the game and whose only job was to run with key, uh, run with Stewart the whole game and every time the ball was coming in his direction. Because, see, the thing with Tom Stewart is not only is he good at putting himself in the hole, but he's also very, very good, probably the best in the league, at timing when to come off his player and be third man in. Right, yeah, and the reason why that works is because the the his opponent is usually looking at making a different position or whatever. I would um, I would have a bloke. That's why I would have put Duday on him and said to, to Tom, "You're not there to get the ball. You're there to stop Tom Stewart getting the ball. At ground level, you can go for the ball because Tom's not bad at ground level, but." Whenever the ball is not at ground level in your vicinity, your sole focus is to make sure that Tom Stewart doesn't get the agate. Uh, because I think it's it's as drastic as that when you play Geelong. He gets so much free ball across half-back. Always. Always. Yeah, Michael Annie would have been another good one. A good, good call, uh, Rabbit. Um, uh, Keys, I think, was would probably be a little bit small and maybe uh, not... Classy enough not to give away a few arm chop frees and all that sort of stuff, Mac. The only, only worry I've got about moving D-Day or uh, Michael Annie is the fact that that uh, upsets the balance of the defence. But look, uh, it, maybe it's worth it, worthy of a try. But if you, I mean, if you cut Stewart out the game, that you actually have a much, much greater chance of scoring. That's that's exactly right. Well, at least keeping the ball in your area. So you can have a secondary stoppage or something like that. The problem is that you're running forward, the ball gets to Stewart, and all of a sudden he's kicking it back over your head. And the other thing about Stewart, he gets it, he gets it on his own, and therefore his disposal's perfect nearly every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, let's. we got uh, St Kilda next week at home. Uh, by the way, I'm supposed to take someone from work, so if anyone's got any tickets they'd like to fling my way for next week's game, that'd be great. <laughs> um, but in the meantime, I um, I think we need to really bounce back hard against St Kilda. St Kilda, St Kilda at home is a game we need to get our season back on track. After a couple of tough losses, I think we really need to focus on getting getting a, a big margin on St Kilda. This is a must-win game, though. I mean, if we're going to uh, be... We've been lauded so far up until Geelong, and we've even got away with uh, still some credit given to us as a uh, rapidly improving side that, that, has got, that is going somewhere. Um, yep. Not necessarily this year, but going somewhere. We have to beat St Kilda next week. Um, they, as you say, are, are the one, perhaps the most vulnerable type for us to beat because they don't go madly attacking. They'll be they'll be madly defending. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, is say if we can win the centre clearances and get it down there quickly, 
um, and that's very important too because Marshall's a very good ruckman. So it's a matter of, again of who we put in the middle and how we set up. But if we can keep the ball, uh, get if you make quick entries, you've got a chance. If you get it in there slowly, that suits them down the ground and they'll just yeah. ride it away and eventually clear it. And of course, you know, just the crow's luck. Max King, I think, comes back in next week, and Nick Murray will be out with uh, with concussion protocols. So uh, that gives us a bit of a mismatch. So I reckon we'd probably see either Worrell or um, Keane in for Nick. I'd probably say Worrell, to be honest. Um, it's, it's actually, one of those two. That's for certain. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, we've gone in unchanged for three weeks, and I think some of our players might be fatiguing a little bit. There's not a lot of pressure coming from the SANFL, but I think maybe we just need to turn a, a, a one or two unforced changes. I think Macca wouldn't go astray just to freshen up. Yeah, well, that's actually true. Uh, just reading it, Mas- uh, Marshall hurt his ankle late in the game. I don't know how bad it, that is, but uh, yeah, but you're right, though. We could freshen up a couple of players, but as long as we've got the right players to bring back in. Apparently, Berry played fairly well last week. Yeah, I'd be looking at Sam. I'd be looking at um, Gallant. Um, I think he deserves another run. Uh, and if you bring in you know, someone for, for Murray, that would probably do it, I think. Yeah, well, Murray, Murray has to be replaced under the uh, yeah, 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 protocol, yeah. protocol, the 12-day rule. So, um, yeah, so yeah, three changes I think would be all right. Uh, I think Gallant for for Tex or Fogarty looks like he's struggling a little bit on that knee. So, you know, one of those two, I think. Uh, Shane McAdam is still injured, of course. Um, so there's not a huge amount to choose from. I don't know how Harry went on the weekend, but I'd, if if Sam went all right, I'd be thinking maybe Gallant, uh, Sam, and uh, the fourth change of um, Worrell for, for Murray would probably do it. Yeah, well, it um, won't hurt to bring a bit of uh, fresh, uh, fresh blood in because I'd be really trying very hard to try and keep that spot. Yeah, Surfs reckons there is pressure. We got done by Centrals two weeks ago, Surfs. Just relax. It's not, you know, it's not that great. Anyway, um, yeah, look, and Robert, I know, it, I think SANFL form can be a bit difficult to read and I think sometimes you've just got to pick players based on their capabilities uh, in the knowledge that the better standard of of game will bring them into it um i think galant might be one of those the, the entries into forward 50 in the sanfl are bloody dog's breakfast half the time uh, and pineal for miller is another good call i think that's a good idea as well i i, I think wayne as i said really needs to start working out what it, what sort of a footballer he is anyway um you reckon we're going to get up mac yeah, I think we'll get up. It won't be by big margins. It won't be a high-scoring game. I reckon be lucky if the the winning side kicks to ten go, uh, ten goals for the game. So I think we've, we'll get up by about thirteen points. Yeah, I'm hopeful that we can actually cut through their defence. But uh, is it a what is it a when is, it's a Saturday after Sunday afternoon game, isn't it? I think. Not yeah, sure, Sunday, no. Sunday, twelve forty. So it's not a night game. Uh, dry weather, we might actually be able to run through them a bit. But uh, if it's a bit damp, then it will be a bit of a slog. Oh, I'm comfortable that we win. And I'm probably going to go four or five goals. I think. Oh, that, that's a bit cool. Yeah, I'm, I, I don't rate St Kilda. I, I just don't. I, I think they're winning ugly, and I, I just like 
at the end of the day, to be able to win a flag this year, you're going to have to kick a score. I think you're not going to you're not going to keep Collingwood and Brisbane and Geelong to eight goals to win a flag. I don't think. No, no, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent right. That's why Saints won't win a win a flag. The uh, the better sides they do kick fifteen goals in a the game these days. So. Um, but I don't think there'll be 15 goals kicked by either side on in this game here, but just by the way that St Kilda play. Yeah, agreed. Um, just to briefly wind up, um, we'll just quickly uh, look at the ladder on the fantasy football because I suck now, mate. Um, I'm doing well, John- mate. John C cleaned me up. I only got twenty. I got I got burnt by Rochelle having a bad game and bloody danger getting subbed off at half time. So um, yeah, only two thousand and sixty points for me. I got cleaned up. Currently sitting, uh, where am I sitting on the league ladder? I don't think it shows. I think I'm ninth. Oh, I've dropped out of the eight. Bloody hell! In terms of the tipping, uh, let's have a quick look at the Crowcast comp. Uh, oh, what's going on here? Crotato and also Josh and Billy are on 53. They've cleared out a little bit over Paul C on 50. We've got John on 49, Glenn on 48, along with Martin and Mark and Bradley and John A and Peter W and Stu and Jason. <sighs> Nikki H on 46. Rob V on 43. I, as I said, I couple, threw up a couple of Hail Marys, Mac, and they didn't come off. Yeah, that's the way it goes, mate. Um, yeah. Bloody Magic Raid, Raid it's a fact. No callers tonight? Are we going to have any callers? No, well, it's a bit late now. We're already one hour, 50 minutes in, mate, so uh, uh, they had the chance. <laughs> Never mind. So, Bloody Magic, you got to get... You got We'd make an exception if Vardy Magic said he'd come on. No, not even for Vardy Magic. I'm going to bed. <laughs> I'm going to get up for the Grand Prix at 4.30. All right, mate. Uh, look, thanks everyone on YouTube uh, who's joined us tonight. Another really good turnout on YouTube, so we really appreciate your viewership there. Don't forget, if you're watching and you want to give us a subscribe, go ahead and do so. Um, we're slowly creeping up towards our goal, Mecca. Thanks to everyone who's joined us on Discord tonight. Don't forget, um, you can join us on Discord for Crows Chat every day of the week, day and night, and also Game Day Chat, which is always a good, uh, good, uh, good laugh. <laughs> game Day Chat. It's not quite as uh, willing as the old Big Footy uh, Game Day Chat. Thank God. And obviously, also the uh, live live show chats on Sunday night. So get around the Discord community. As I said. What are we up to now? We're up to 330 members on Discord, which is fantastic. So great to great to have everyone, everyone support there. Maka, have yeah, a very good week. Me. Yep, I will do that, mate. You too. Yep, and, and we will... And the to... Sorry? And all the listeners too. Yeah, absolutely. All right, thanks everyone for joining us. We will see you next Sunday night for another weekend wrap. Good night, everyone. Yeah, good night all. 